Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another odd daytime edition of the Morning Skate. I, it's your host, Brownie, no Ked today, just me. And I am joined by uh, the first female member of the Northeastern University Athletic Hall of Fame, the name to the Northeastern all-time Title IX team, and four-time member of the U.S. national team, Kelly Dyer-Hayes. Kelly, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Thank you. Yeah, I'm doing well. Great to have you. I'm glad we got to do this in the in the the little lull here with the season in between the holidays. It worked out nicely. Yeah, it's perfect time. A little break between the chaos. Exactly. But listen, before we get started, I have two questions for you right off the bat. Uh, one, when was the last time you were in the ocean? Uh, <laughs> what's today? Let's see. It's Monday, so that would be Saturday. Okay. Okay. Polar bear. Yeah. And then the last, the other one, how's the squirrel? Have you seen the squirrel? Has the squirrel been back? Well, I have a little bit of sad news oh, with a no. happy, happy twist. So the, uh, the squirrel that my daughter rescued and that she fed with an eyedropper and yeah. we got him to a point of maturity and then we released him successfully. It was an amazing experience, not only for my daughter, but for my husband and I as well. Right, yeah. as just they're, they're, they're great creatures. And then, he was a uh, free squirrel and uh, living the life um, until he got hit by a car. Oh, no. Yeah. And he had some distinctive marks to him. He had uh, red tops of his feet and two stripes sort of coming down his mid. So it was very clear that it was uh -huh. him. And, you know, I was very upset. And I think I was probably more worried about telling my daughter. <laughs> and then she got home from school. And I said, so, you know, Cashew got hit by a car today. And she's like, that's why there's many of them. Yeah. Like, okay, oh, yeah, that's a healthy way. Oh my gosh. Um and so, uh, but a quick a quick wrap on that. So Cashew again, he just hit maturity and then um out back, you know, there's sort of a hierarchy to squirrels. We learned quite yeah. a bit during this time. And there's this one bossy squirrel out back, and we named him um Skinny Tail. And we're like, why is Skinny Tail always bossing Cashew around so much? Like, whatever, he'll fight for himself. Well, Shortly after Cashew's death, um, Skinny Tail developed uh, six very large um, breasts and then <laughs> went on to have three babies. And oh. um, all, all three of the babies look just like Cashew. So. Oh, that's great. So we have Cashew's uh, three children now to uh, watch and enjoy. And as a tip to any journalists out there, that's why you ask those questions before you hit record. So you avoid <laughs> that. <laughs> I followed that whole journey on, I think you had everything on Facebook, right? You were putting yeah. that Yeah. It was pretty cool. You know, I joined a couple of societies because there's a lot to learn. Like we needed to get some oh, yeah. formula for him. Um, and so just to learn about that. So I joined a couple of Facebook groups and there's a lot of crazy squirrel people out there. <laughs> And uh, but they're super nice and caring, and we learned so much about you know again their hierarchy and their pecking orders, and they have tremendous personalities. And um, I know they can be annoying in a past at <laughs> times, but um, they're really really cute. Oh, that's great. I, I mean, at least at least the babies are there, and like like your daughter said, there's plenty of squirrels. That is that's not true. That's there's no short. It's not an endangered species. Exactly. Uh, so born in New Jersey, but raised right up the road for me in Acton, and now up on the North Shore. Uh, how'd you get your start in hockey? Well, I was fortunate enough to uh, grow up in the Boston area. We had this amazing player called Bobby Orr playing in the oh, yeah. garden. And so he had a huge influence on, on all of us. Um, and then I have an older brother named David. Okay. And he and all of his buddies in my neighborhood would all play street hockey every day after school, kind of, again, inspired by Bobby Orr. 
and the only way they'd let me play was if I was the goalie. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. And then the transition to ice was just to kind of follow them along basically, or. Well, no, because at the time it was uh figure skating. Oh, okay. Yep. Right. But uh, yeah, I grew to be five eleven <laughs> by, by the age of twelve, and so um, that became a little awkward. Um, and yeah, and I always wanted to play hockey, but there was not a lot of girls' women's hockey at the time. And it was my father actually found a program um, again, just a couple of towns over in Concord, which was Asabet. Yep. And so um, after two years of asking, I was able to give hockey a shot with them, and then stayed with them all the way through college and everything. So. Over at Valley Sports, right? Is that? Yep. Yep. So yep. for all those that are watching or listening, all those clips that we have on our regular podcast, we do clips in between um, each segment. And they're all like of me being an idiot. Those are all, those were all filmed at Valley Sports. Uh, shout out Paula for all her help and uh, giving us the ice and everything over there. So Paula was my teammate all the way through. And, and ask if you knew her. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She she's awesome. She's such a good good person. Yeah, she does Wonderful a great job person. over there. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, but one little side story too. Ahead. So you know, at that age, you play with your age group. Right. And so I was playing girls hockey for Asabit. And again, I had asked to be a goalie for the longest time. And like we had a wonderful goalie, Sue Mead. And they're like, no, we have a goalie. We don't have a goalie. And one time car broke down or something happened and, and she wasn't there and it was a game. So I just played in regular players equipment and did pretty well. And, and really from that day on, I was a goalie. So at the same time over at Acton Boxborough Youth Hockey, which didn't have a girls team at the time, they just had a gap in age group where there was no boy goalie in my age segment. Oh. So occasionally I would just get the call. And again, my brother was playing for AB boys hockey. I just get the call. Like, can you just be goalie for us, you know, Saturday at two. And I'd be like, yeah, sure. So I kind of just was a fill in as needed there, but because it is by age group, then fast forward to high school hockey, those guys knew me as a goalie since we were, you know, young teenagers. So that worked out really well. Um, fast forwarding to high school hockey. So I'm glad you mentioned that because I remember, um, you were the first girl to play high school hockey with the boys in Massachusetts, or actually, I guess technically it was the first person, first girl to play high school hockey. Cause there was no girls team. Cause I remember the Boston globe articles when yeah. I, I remember it was a you big do. deal. I do. That's I honestly funny. remember. Yeah. I was talking to yeah. some of my buddies from the same age and we were like, yeah, they were like, yeah. Once I reminded them. Yeah. Cause yeah. we, I grew up in Framingham. So we're talking two towns over. Right. I don't know if I fully remember, but during COVID, I really dug down deep and kind of reorganized all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, kind of had time to take a look at it all. And it was it was pretty neat. But I think there was a couple um, women that played before me at different high schools. Um, and I think it was the first one to play Division One school. Oh, maybe that's right. OK. That's what that yeah. was the difference. Yeah. OK. I'm blanking right now on, on who it was. I'm not sure if it was Lisa Whitcomb, maybe with Stoneham, but there's definitely a couple. Um, but then, you know, again, I had a few high profile players on my team, <laughs> yeah. um, which then made it, you know, more notable as well. Those whole, you're talking Tom Barrasso, Jeff Norton, Bob Sweeney. I mean, big, I mean, Tom Barrasso's on the Hockey Hall of Fame and Bob yes. Sweeney's huge with the Bruins and the alumni and everything. Uh, yeah, I remember all those guys playing. Um, but then also other... Alan, Alan Borbo and Mark Folland. I mean, it was oh, yeah, yeah. 
Kevin Hool. I mean, it was really quite impressive, but we did have, I think it was uh, five guys of that time period go into the NHL from our high school hockey team. Which is but a again, small, not a huge team and not a huge program. Yeah. Yeah. And thinking that, you know, Tommy went directly from high school into the NHL. Yeah. Penguins, Pretty remarkable. Right, right to the Penguins, right? Wasn't he? Wasn't no. He um, Buffalo. Buffalo. Buffalo, that's right. Yep, yeah, Buffalo. Which is funny because same colors and actually at Acton Boxwell at the time we oh, wore the multi right. we wore the multi-striped, you know, sleeves and the multi-striped socks. So he didn't even have to change uniforms. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you other sports played growing up too, or were you focused on hockey or a little bit of everything? A little bit of everything, actually. So soccer was probably my second favorite sport. Uh, I was a goaltender in that as well. Um, but also did track and field, um, not a runner, yeah. <laughs> but I threw the javelin and then did softball. And then also, um, I did swim team as well. Oh, nice. And then freshman year in high school we weren't sure what was going to happen with a girl trying out for a boys team so i also tried out for girls basketball as well of course being very tall compared to others at the time and the coach was probably like come on down yes exactly <laughs> um so yeah i really just played whatever and then at towards the end of my high school we didn't have lacrosse at um acton boxborough at that time uh, but i did a postgraduate year at uh, new hampton yep and so then I, I started playing lacrosse as well. Yeah, it's a it's a great sport. And I was going to ask you about New Hampton. So you played forward on the women's team and goalie for the men's team. Do I have that right? Yes. So the men's team had three or four teams. Um, so they basically had a team that would just play against other colleges to gain exposure for those players. Um, then they had varsity, JV, and freshmen. Um, so I, I just played in between varsity and JV um, with them. Just wherever you so like, could get some time. Yeah. So Dave Lippman was the number one goalie, went on to the NHL. Um, and he was super nice to me, too. So it was great. Sometimes we'd just go and work out together. Um, and at that time, women's hockey at prep school was so new that I, you know, it wasn't thought that if I played goalie with such a, a slow level play that it would be helpful for me. Yeah. So I actually played out and just sort of helped a lot of our couple of players on our team had never even seen ice before. Wow. Because, you know, in prep school, it's mandatory to play a sport. Or, right. You know, Every season. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, I remember Angela. Uh, she had never seen ice. So I was able to sort of help teach hockey to these. Isn't that guys. crazy how much has changed in that short of time? <laughs> it's it's amazing. Yeah. It is amazing. Uh, I also read somewhere that um, – you were a big Ken Dryden fan growing up. No love uh, yes. for no love for Cheevers. I mean, come on. Well, Cheevers, yes, but Jill Jojabert was my favorite okay. um, for Boston, um, big time. Uh, but I always really uh, just took to Ken and everything he did. He stood for you know high focus on academics, oh. um, very poised. Uh, he was absolutely my favorite goaltender. Um, as far as you know as a role model as a player we actually within the last month or so on the podcast we just had this whole blurb someone found about ken dryden first off he was drafted by the bruins and he didn't know till like like 10 years into his career his agent finally told him and yeah. he never knew and he i think he if i remember i'm probably gonna get some facts wrong but i think like he stepped away from the game and went to law school became a lawyer and then was like, oh, maybe I'll give it another go and went back to hockey after. It's crazy, the story. 
Yeah, so we played five years in the NHL and won five Stanley Cups. Um, So you want to talk about a crazier coincidence. So fast forward, um, after college hockey, I went and played men's professional hockey. And so the founder and the director of our league, and then also turned out to be my coach, um, Bill Nyrop, was Ken Dryden's roommate on the road. Oh, man. It's like it all, you know, it's like the butterfly. It all connects. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. And then um, Coach Nyrop actually did the same thing um, after winning the Cups. And I think you do get to a point of what else is there to achieve? Like I have fulfilled this part and then just trying to recreate that constantly. So Bill did the same thing and he went on and got his law degree and he actually knew that he wanted to do something in hockey and he wanted to have the ability to not only read to then negotiate and then sign his own contracts. Um, So he went to law school for that purpose. I think that um, Ken Dryden went more to learn critical thinking. Yeah. Because he really wanted to be an author. And so he was, as you know, he's written some famous books. But then he also um, was in a newspaper and and different um, magazines and things along the way. He's like the hockey version of that, uh, the Dos Equis commercial, the most interesting man, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Five Stanley Cups, and now I'm going to go to law school. I have another interesting Ken story. No, go ahead, yeah. So when I was playing for Northeastern, um, you know, the growth of organized college hockey in Canada was just beginning. Mm. So it was University of Toronto, Concordia, and one others. But um, those were the two that we played. So we would go back and forth and then again, try to, you know, not only have the the relationship there and grow the game, but then exposure in both um, areas. So I think we alternated years. So the year we were playing University of Toronto, Ken at the time was working on on ice documentaries. Oh, and he wanted the player's perspective. And so at our game at University of Toronto, he put on like half players gear and had the camera that was then connected to the ice. And so he filmed the game from the ice perspective. And I think at the time he was also studying um, body checking in women's ice hockey because, you know, our first world championships in 90 was full out body checking. Oh, it was. And then, yeah. I didn't, so I didn't was, know that. And then they dialed yeah, it back after that. They did because, again, they were looking at the viewership potential and they found that the body checking actually just slowed the game down. Huh. Okay. So it didn't add to it. So they really wanted to turn the other way. And I always like to use Lisa Brown Miller as an example. So Lisa was an amazing player and she was five foot one and 128 pounds. So somebody like that getting body checked, you have lost her ability to have that finesse and those movements right. that she could do. Um, so I think Ken was part of, of part of that as well, of that discovery. So it was really kind of cool. So he came into the locker room and uh, so he came in and I, he must have heard about me that I was always a big fan and he came to say hello and somebody's like let's get a picture of Kelly and Ken and we're in the corner of the dressing room you know next to my stall and so we both turn and the whole team's like well we want to be in the picture too so the whole team (laughs) dove in and this is about all you see of me (laughs) so it's it's pretty fine but Ken looked really good Uh, yeah yeah uh that's great I it's funny we we talk about the checking and the and and in the women's hockey and the size of the players some of the players and I was talking with coach carp and we with the checking now becoming 
into the game a little bit or the physicality, I guess, not the checking. Uh, and they, you can see it shifting the other way. He said they have to kind of reassess the way they start to recruit now if it goes more physical. And there are going to be players that are going to be left, unfortunately. They're going to be some really highly talented players that are going to be left by the wayside because of what you said, the stature and the size and being able to withstand it. But for every five that do, one will make it through, hopefully, you know, some that has the talent. Right. Yeah, well, look at Kendall Coyne as a perfect example of oh, yeah, Kendall yeah. versus Hillary, um, the two extremes and, you know, power, strength and speed, but also hockey IQ. I think the mesh of keeping both is beautiful. But I mean, yeah. even, you know, look at the Bruins right now with yeah. our captain. He's not yeah. the tallest of guys. So No, no. Yeah, uh, that's true. Something yeah, about grit, grit and determination gets a lot done in this game as well. The size of the fight and the dog, not the dog in the fight, right? That's right. That's they say. So, all right. So after after New Hampton, uh, and I want to mention this Hall of Fame at both Active Boxborough and New Hampton. Not a big deal. Just want to slide that in. If we give you your props. <laughs> uh, nice. So at, at Northeastern, hockey, soccer, and lacrosse, you did all three. Yes. Yep. I mean, come on. <laughs> I've coached players that have gone on to D1 for one sport. And yeah. to do to do two is crazy. To do three, I mean, that's nuts. And you stayed in school. Usually the people that do multiple <laughs> sports, it's for like a year. And then, you know, then they're like hitting me up at the other job to see if I have any hours for them. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And then I also had a dual major. My boyfriend lived at home. So yeah, there was a lot going on. So, um, but you know, back then it was a little bit different. We didn't have the full year training. I, you know, I think of another athlete, Julie Sasner, who was at Harvard is saying years as me and she did the same. Um, and again, you kind of just pace yourself and, you know, I see it in my daughter now she's like, you know, I, I do better in my academics when I'm in sport because mm. I know I don't have that much free time. So you, you um, focus more. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, you really put it in its segment. It's like, okay, so I have free time in this block. This is what I'm doing. I need to get this done. And then I also kind of recall that little bit of that fear factor, you know, in the NCAA, if you don't maintain a certain grade point average, you can't play. And right. that was probably my greatest fear in college. So <laughs> it really drove me to do well in school. No, that it's fantastic. And and listen, uh, the academics aside, back-to-back ECAC championships, which at that time was the national championship. So, yeah. Pretty good success, I would say, you know. <laughs> yeah, we just as a team got inducted into the Hall of Fame. Yep. Um and it was just absolutely amazing um our entire team was there except for one athlete who oh, really that's great on a work project in india um so she was greatly missed but to see everybody after i always tell her people don't do the math but it was 30 years so uh. um but you know i would look into a player's eyes and just like these memories came yeah. rushing back like a video inside my head and it wasn't always like a you know a great goal by Donalyn Rosa or you know these types of things. It was like remember that time on the bus like yeah. when you, I don't know something or other. And so it was really it was much more powerful than I would have ever expected. Well, the relationships that you form are the strongest things. And if you talk to anyone from from your level in in like a international play or or a pros or even like beer league guys. The, or, or women, the thing you miss is the time in the locker room, 
the time on the bench, the time in the parking lot, or at the at the, at the uh, Hall of Fame thing, the punter's pub they set up in the parking lot over yeah. at Matthews. But that's the times that you miss. It's the the personality part of it. You know, the gameplay yeah. is great, but you know, it's the it's the relationships that you form. And it's so true what they say. You know, it's been said in beautiful ways before, but. It's a it's a bond that happens through, you know, achieving that common goal and just, you know, giving all of yourself for your teammates. And once you come to that level of connection, I, I, it truly it lasts a lifetime. It's it's really remarkable. Yeah. It was uh, way more fun and actually emotional than I had anticipated. Yeah. Um, being with everyone. Uh, and that team. Uh, four-time Beanpot champ. You were the captain for uh, two years. And let's let's go into your numbers a little bit. 2.04 goals against, back-to-back team MVP with a record of 48-3-1 in your time there. I mean, come on. It's like <laughs> you were the first one to start goalie you, it sounds like, you know? <laughs> yeah, I have to say, you know, uh, teammates, 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 and right, uh, right. defense, defense, defense. Um <laughs> You know, I had a defenseman, uh, Donald and Rosa, Donnie, and, uh, you know, from day one at practice, like somebody just, you know, did a long shot in the clearing pass. I just turned my paddle with my stick and put it on the tape of her stick. And from that day forward, we didn't even need to speak. Uh, we just had this connection. And so, um, you know, Joy Woolley, Nina Koyama, like all the D, Charlotte Hall, like um, it was really just a great effort and a great uh, team connection. There were seven players of our class as well. Um, so we all sort of came in together and, and united. Oh, that's, I, rem- that's I remember when we came in as freshmen, the two captains were super nice and well-organized and they just shook their head like, oh my gosh, <laughs> what's, what's going to happen with this group? So, oh, um, And then you became, and then you were the goalie coach for a number of years, uh, four years over at Northeastern as well? Yeah. So after playing, um, I was then, you know, again, one thing I really love to point out is like the amazing timing in my life. So again, the first ever women's college scholarship was given the year before I went to Northeastern. So it was given to Cindy Curley at at Providence College a year before I go. So that's amazing and a great opportunity. So then the year I'm graduating from Northeastern University is the first ever women's team USA. I mean, can you, it's like a script. It, it's it's like, yeah, it's like people, you know, sometimes will ask me questions, you know, leaning towards the negative of, of hockey or something. And, and I'll be like, I am nothing but blessed <laughs> in this situation. Yeah. Um, so, no, that was amazing. So as Northeastern was winding down, and of course, we're a five-year university, so I had one more year at university. So staying on for my academic year was sort of a no-brainer. Um and then it was coming to now made Team USA in 90, um, the next world champions 92. So we didn't have a lot of training opportunities in between. So where could I sort of play, stay on the ice, stay connected, stay in a organized sort of training mentality. Um, plus I was working, I had a wonderful job on, on Newberry Street in a graphic design firm, um, but where to go and what to do. Um, so this was a neat puzzle. And then again, the blessed situation that this amazing goaltender and beautiful person, Manon Rayom, 
yeah. you know, breaks the uh, glass ceiling and the, breaks the, uh, the the ice, if we will, for us. For Tampa uh, Bay. Women, yep. Yeah, for women playing men's professional hockey. Um, so that was great. And so that's when I made the move from living in Boston as I, I packed my bag one day. And um, I had gone to, uh, it was a pro draft league in Quincy. And I just came back from training camp with Team USA. And again, they just didn't have a goaltender for, you know, Saturday at 420 game. Can you get here? Sure. <laughs> I had no yeah. idea what it was. Yeah. So it turned out, uh, you know, Doug Keens was in the stands and they were just uh -huh. starting this new league. And so, and David Baker was there. And, and as we were, you know, playing, they're like, hey, you played really well. I did. It was like crazy. Maybe like with no thought about what this was didn't seem to mean anything to me you didn't have time to get nervous right yeah. a good time yeah the guys were all great yeah. um they're like you played awesome you want to come back i'm like sure like that was really fun we won um and so i, I think i finished off the summer season with them and then i got invited to go to camp at jacksonville bullets of this new sunshine hockey league and so again as leagues were starting there was a couple little hiccups um, but then I went away with Team USA. We were in temporary Finland for a training friendship game series type thing. And I get noticed that I was traded while I was away. So I got traded from Jacksonville to West Palm Beach while I was in Finland. <laughs> That's not a sentence many people would ever say. I was I in Finland. I got traded from Jacksonville to West Palm. <laughs> so the weirdest thing is somebody like packed up my apartment and, and shipped it down with my other extra really? gear on a bus down there. I'm like, awesome sure we're not going to think about that too much but um so then it, but you know to end up in west palm beach i mean oh, yeah. i lived i lived on singer island yeah uh it was you know um a much better organization the building was phenomenal it was like a 5700 person arena um you know right. much more activity in the community uh, sports um, and then also Bill Nyrup was the coach and he was also the founder of the league. So he was much more organized. He had great structure, which again, being in a woman in an all male environment, like having some structure there was really great. I remember when I, when I showed up, he told the guys like, listen, you, you messed with her and you're messing with me like period. Perfect. Yeah. Nothing else needs to be said. So, right. so after I was done puking the first day from the amount of humidity, <laughs> Yeah, it's it was down there. Yeah, it was hot and it was yeah. So I had never had that kind of uh, experience before. Um, but you get used to it pretty quickly. So anyway, that was great to end up in West Palm. So again, much more organized. You know, um, Chrissy Everett and Jack Nicholas had you know season tickets. We had full fans and and all of that. And so I was also able to do some work because my one of my degrees is in marketing so i ended up doing some marketing things like oh, I great. Got sponsors involved and um the radio station we threw a wedding on ice oh. <laughs> and like, i gotta love the minor dirty. league promos they're just yeah. great yeah it was so i really got to try some things i got like some the some i got involved in the special olympics i got the guys involved in running clinics for kids on tennis courts and like they were all we're not doing this. Forget that. And I got them over there and they, and they loved it. Yeah. And we did the hospital visits and all of those things. And again, the guys, you know, they, they didn't think they'd enjoy it, but they, there was a good, you know, six, eight of them that just were amazing at it. And I think they really got a lot out of it. And, well, and it had all translated to on the ice, you guys, three times sunshine hockey league champs, 93, 94, 95. So. Right. Yeah. I mean, 
that whole bonding thing and doing stuff together on and off the ice, it translates usually to on ice success as well. Right. Yeah. You know? And then I think, you know, really opened up another emotional aspect for them too. It wasn't really just about playing hockey. We were a big part of the community and right. what was going on. Everybody buys in. Yeah. So that was a great, great experience. Um, you know, it's, really, it, it's funny you said, you, said uh, you you glossed over your Olympic experience in this, you in the national team. So yeah. you mentioned you mentioned Finland, also 90 in Ottawa, 94 in Lake Placid. I mean, the, I, I feel like we should give some shine to that. As, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, was, I think I was following the Ken Dryden story. Then the Bill no, it's fine. Story. It's that's fine. It's fine. I just want to I didn't want to miss it. You know, that's all. Yeah. So national teams. I mean, talk about exposure to maybe not maybe not the casual fan, but in the hockey world, I mean, that's, that's huge exposure for that, for the yeah. program, for everything. Yeah. And, you know, the organizers, so through the international ice hockey federation and the combination of team Canada and team USA, you know, USA hockey, having the first ever world championships being in Ottawa. So being in Canada where it could be embraced to a level like we had never seen before right. ever. Yeah. So uh, we sold out an NHL building. So sold out Ottawa's building. Um, the place was just rocking. It was amazing. You know, it was on um, in, in Canada. It was on TSN. So I think it was 1.3 million viewers. And so again, hockey, women's hockey, taken to a whole nother level than not even just focusing on the game, but like the excitement and um the build up into it and it was really remarkable um in the final game versus Canada we had taken an early lead and then Canada scored their first goal and I remember the building erupted to such a level that my rib cage was shaking really and I was like holy shit am I like wicked nervous or no I'm like this is a physical reaction to the energy of freaking people cheering I'm like I cannot believe that I'm That's bodily crazy. feeling this so the sound yeah, of it, yeah. Yeah, it yeah. was crazy, but even everything was done so professional. Like, I mean, it sounds small, but like the hotel, like, you know, each country had its own floor, but then, you know, um, Hockey Canada organized, we had a masseuse and a PT, like they gave them their own rooms. And so we had our own team masseuse and these types of things back then was, was uh, yeah. unheard of. Um, so to so that level and, you know, signing autographs wherever we went, um, walking in, I remember I came back so supercharged that I called everybody in women's sports I could think of at the time. Rika, uh, Sherry was the president. I, I, uh, Reebok was really promoting anybody who I could think of that had ever I had ever heard them mention women's sports. I'm like, you've got to get into this this game called women's hockey. And actually, it's funny. I really did. I mean, I just, I don't know what got into me. I just picked up the phone and just dialed. And um, I called the Women's Sports Foundation. And Yolanda Jackson answered. And I'm like, well, if anybody would want to support it, it would be uh, a Women's Sports Foundation. And just told her a little bit about the sport and the game and the growth and the potential and what was going on. And of course, the college and scholarships, which, you know, brings a whole nother level to the support going into the national team programs. And she's like, what are you doing October 21st? And I'm like, well, I, I could be free. And she invited me to be the spokesperson to their black tie gala of oh. celebrating all women in sports. So ever since that day, we've had a, a female hockey player representative with the Women's Sports Foundation. Oh, that's fantastic. To a point right now where Megan Duggan is the yep. president 
of the Women's oh. Sports Foundation. So, I had no idea that's how it how it began. That's great. Yeah, I I get in these uh, these moods and something gets in my head and I just I swear I just kept phoning people. I was like completely tenacious. Yeah, that's another word for annoying. I'm sure. Well, but... no, you have to be. I mean, it, you know, like getting sponsorships, getting. But I mean, now it's a different world. But back then. No, I mean, no one was paying attention to it. And you had you 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 couldn't knock on the door. You had to bang the door down. You know, right. it was really what it what it boiled down to. No, that's great. Good on you. Um, well, that leads to the Olympic experience. So 98 in Nagano, uh, you uh worked with USA hockey as an athletic rep, right? Yeah, that's and, everything. And then 2002 at Salt Lake City, you were the game day offs for both the men and women's. Talk about like, hey, take it easy, have a nice vacation over for the Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? How would that? I mean, what was talk to us about your Olympic experience? Well, that's where a lot of people when I was referring to late before when people said, oh, well, you know, it's sad. Are you sad? You know that you got cut um, for the '98 team. And I, that's where my, my wholehearted answer is no, I feel blessed for all the opportunities that opened up right in front of my lifetime. And then of course, <laughs> um, having Sarah and Sarah and the way in which they won the gold medal is, uh, is a truly just uh, proud to be American and uh, the pride of, of that win. So um, yeah, it was really amazing right towards the end of my playing time, I was called Grandma. That was my nickname in the dressing room. And even now, like talking with Angela Ruggiero, she's like, yeah, I remember, because she came up, I think she was 15 at the oh time. She came up to San Jose, so we were playing in California, and uh, somebody got hurt or something, so they had to call her in, and they had been watching her. And so she just came in, maybe practice midway through or something, and coach is like, yeah, you're in charge in charge of that one and i'm like all right whatever so she remembered we were actually at a ted talk in boston and um somebody said how'd you two meet she goes oh my god i remember when i met you i thought you were so old like what were you doing here i did the math so i was 30 at the time and i was like oh my god year old yeah yeah right so yeah just amazing and so i think i was 32 um I, I say stop playing, but when I got cut, and so it was about time, you know. Um, I mean, we were talking before about bodies and pains and yeah. what hurts. Is you know, I had to take an ice um, bath every day at the end of that day so I could skate the next. And you know, at the time, I didn't know if it was hips or knees or backs. I mean, it, the pain was so yeah. intense; I didn't know what it was. So it turned out it was my hips, and I oh. have had them both replaced since so to get into pretty, a quick sidebar is that how you got into the to the polar bear stuff was that from there you think no it it wasn't um that's sort of like overall health um yeah. but i was reminded just like i've been doing it for like a year and a half and i was just reminded like i don't know a month or so ago i was like oh right i used to do this i like drew the connection a little bit later yeah. so anyway that right, was <laughs> it was you know being removed from the team was, you know, difficult. And now I see it and it's actually nice because I can speak to it with others. It's, you know, it's an uproaring of everything you've been working for. Um, and even deeper than that, it, it became such a essence of your own identity. Yeah. And you don't realize it. And I remember just being like, 
no kid's ever going to want my autograph ever again because I'm not the USA goalie. Like, of course, right, they don't right, really right. always know the details. So. Right, right, right. Um, but, you know, so, you know, once I got through all that and I realized there's a lot of good to still come from this. And um, then the team asked me to, USA Hockey asked me to go to the games and just sort of be the spokesperson for women's hockey and to be in, like, the media situations and the... Um, uh, like the AT&T lounge and things and answer questions. Why is there checking in women's hockey? Why isn't there checking? What's um, offsides? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, not so much that. More of the aspects between um, men's and women's hockey. Oh, the other comparison you know, I can try. Yeah. yeah. So I did a lot, lot of interviews, just talks with groups of people. Um, AT&T was wonderful to us. Um, so again, met with a lot of sponsors. Um, there was a woman writing a book at the time. Um so, you know, spending a lot of time with her, it was a really amazing, amazing experience. Um, at the time, I was the athlete representative to the executive committee. So the bylaws of the USOC and the International Ice Hockey Federation are to have an athlete that's within 10 years of their playing time to be on the board of oh. directors to be able to have sort of like an active voice at the time. And to give so, a know, perspective. Yeah. No, that makes right. sense. Yeah. To talk about travels or logistics or uniforms or training or rest ratios and these types of things. And so I had been on the board for a while. And then actually the first ever USA hockey athlete representatives were myself and Mark Fusco. Oh yeah. Yeah. I remember the so Fusco. Yeah. So they, he was a wonderful person to partner with. And from there, we built a, a committee, a whole committee. So he and I were the directors. Um, and then he moved on to be in his professional life. And then I, I ran it for a while, um, I think until my 10 years for my active playing. So being that I had been on that position really, I think, helped or encouraged USA Hockey for wanting me to travel with them talking about USA Hockey because I could speak on a lot of different levels. Um, the girls, women participation, the growth rates since 1990 world championships, what it meant, you know, the growth by state and all these things. I mean, it was very well connected to all that information. I mean, you actually lived it. So, you know, yeah, yeah <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, so talk about natural on the ground, organic. right? Yeah. <laughs> That was great. And, you know, one of the things that I really did to um, impress myself when we were there, so they had obviously a lot of Japanese food on, on one buffet, but then they always were very conscientious to have, you know, Americanized food on the other. But I did my best to represent both and have both buffets. <laughs> the sacrifices that you do is, yeah. <laughs> it's a good thing we had a lot of walking because uh, I, I managed not to have too much damage, but it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. And off days, I had Olympic tickets for anything I really wanted to see. Oh, uh -huh, yeah. I met another co-person um, who had a similar position that I did, and we just became travel buddies. And, you know, one day we're like, you know, we, we went and did all the museums downtown. And oh. we went through this flower expo that was, like, out of this world and, you know, checked out a little bit of history and art. And, and that was really enjoyable as well. And I would imagine that stuff that the players or athletes of any sport don't, don't get to do with their – they don't have that much downtime, I would think – in terms right. of meeting and, and video and everything, you know, everything right. else. Very, very strict schedule as an athlete and, right. um, you know, especially, you know, traveling far away, but they were restricted to the village quite often. And I actually lived out in the mountains in a cabin 
And at the time, it was right when the men's hockey became going pro. Oh, the pro players came, yep. Wasn't determined right till the end, so they didn't have room from the village. So Team Canada and Team USA were out in the cabins that I was in. Oh, nice. Yeah, so that was really fun, too. It was beautiful. We took the high-speed trains back and forth every day. So it was quite an experience. Um, and at the time, I was working full-time for Louisville Slugger. So Louisville Slugger, which is also Louisville Hockey at the time, uh, was my sponsor. Mm. Um, and I joined with them with the purpose of creating women's ice hockey equipment. So I read a blurb somewhere. Did they basically be like, hey, we want to do hockey help us was that basically the no <laughs> i went to them oh okay said, all right i i wasn't sure yeah so i called again i called bauer i called ccm i called anybody who was making hockey equipment um it helped that louisville hockey was making goalie equipment too because i also needed a sponsor yeah. <laughs> at uh and so they became my sponsor and with that i got to know them and had the trust value there grow. And I said, you know, this is, look at the growth numbers here. At the time, everything was made in Canada. So really not that hard to shift your manufacturing. So we created um, shoulder pads with breast protection. We created women's hockey pants that were narrower and shorter in the waist. A lot of the people, again, like look at a Cami Granado or a Lisa Brown Miller, you had those big kidney pads, but they had to be pulled in so tight. The kidney right. pads are actually sitting on their bellies. Yeah. So now you're trying to bend over oh, and skate. Yeah, right, right. You're getting total collision into your rib cage. Yeah. So not only poor mobility, carrying extra weight, but not enhancing their performance either. So pants, shoulder pads, we did uh, gloves. Just we had a custom glove line. So we shortened the gussets because most women's fingers aren't as thick. Mm -hmm. um, shortened the palms. Um, but the big thing is we created sticks with softer flexes so we got down to the oh. 45s and 50 65s Interesting. Um, and also yeah. created a smaller radius in the handle so your hand i'm going it's like again huge flashback here so your hand could, could go all the way around the shaft giving you greater strength transfer from your hands to the apparatus to the movement of the puck again something that unless you were a female hockey player wouldn't have entered probably into your into your thinking in terms of the product right. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. And as a side note, if you ever are in, in Louisville and get the chance to tour that factory, the the way you can watch a bat from start to finish through the through the whole the whole uh factory is worth your time. It was I had yeah. I'm not a baseball guy, but that was really cool when I went. Yeah. That was it very was. and I lived right above that. So the oval that was cut into the floor where the factory was down below, our offices were right above. So oh. I sat right above that. Oh, that's great. It was extraordinary. And again, I wasn't a huge baseball person myself, yeah. but the heritage there and you know the, the creation US made, all of those elements, it, you know, the pride of the people there was extraordinary. When when you were there, was the Muhammad Ali Museum open at that time? No, it's just opening and all the museums worked in connection with each other because, you know, museums actually a hard business to be in. Mm. And so we were also connected to the Kentucky Derby Museum. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask. That was my next question. If you ever got to go to the Derby. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I sat in Millionaire's Row. And, uh, oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Somebody had tickets and life things happened that they couldn't go. And so the night before, uh, Mr. Jack Helrick swung by my desk. He goes, 
I got four tickets for the Derby tomorrow. Are you interested? And so, grab get my bonnet. <laughs> I had a bonnet. I couldn't believe it. You have and to. I got a flowered shirt and a hat with a thingy and all that stuff. Oh yeah, that's the whole deal. Uh so now Salt Lake, you were you were in a similar, but for no. both teams. Right. So for Salt Lake City, it was actually hired by you know, a division of the Olympic committee. Oh, okay. Okay. So here I was with um, the organizing committee of the Olympics. And again, as you had said uh, so perfectly, because I had lived it. So the international ice hockey federation has different game day ops than you would see here. Um, just, I mean, the smallest details home team enters the hallway to enter the ice first. You, you can't go at the same time, these types right. of things. So um, again, I lived in my new one. Um, so then I was the assistant, actually, game day operation person for the um, Provo Arena. So not the, the Salt Lake main stadium, but the other arena, which is Provo. So did you, I don't know if you saw recently in the, when the NHL went to um, Switzerland this year, there was a, a warm-up that they didn't have, one team didn't have pucks. Did you see that? Okay. And no, I didn't. It just clicked in my head. I'm like, oh, someone who is the game day ops probably screwed that up yeah <laughs> we just talked about that it uh it might have been the i don't know if the jets went or the blue jackets but one team had to go half their half their warm-up without pucks the guys were just skating in circles yeah yeah it was a tough look yeah. tough look on yeah, the game so this, these are the types of things that i took care of and it was funny uh my biggest game was the Czech game i, I can't remember who they were playing but it was one of their rivals and they were supposed to win easily. So um, the the other director said, oh, you know, Kelly, why don't you take it tonight? And you feel comfortable? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. I've got this, no problem. And uh, it went into overtime shootout. Oh, <laughs> so man. whole nother set of protocols and rules and all of that. So, but uh, everything went super smoothly, went perfectly, uh, no, no, uh, no situation. So, but I remember that was I'm like, oh, this is my game day. <laughs> I better get this right. And uh, everything went beautifully. So the next day they're like, holy shit, like every other game, nothing special was needed. We just, you know, got the pucks. Got right, the right. And uh, they're like, we can't believe it. We take a night <laughs> off and you end up with that. So much fun. Yeah, that's great, though. That's what makes it right. You talk yeah. about another memory, right? Well, I in. think it's sort of like a goalie thing, you know, you're you're kind of conditioned not to overreact. Oh, that's yeah. Yeah, you're kind of like, all right, this is what's happening. Gotta do what I gotta do. Yeah, the job doesn't change. I still gotta keep the puck out of the net no matter <laughs> what. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, keep it to its most basic, simple elements, you know. <laughs> and my then... goalie coach growing up was Joe Britannia. So Joe okay, was my yeah, goalie yeah. coach since like 1977. So again, <laughs> don't do the math. Yeah. But he always, you know, drilled a us in our heads even when we were little as you know just it's it's just one puck at a time one save at a time yeah um you know it's funny now when everybody talks about mindfulness and all of that it's sort of the message now today you know stay in the present yeah no that's interesting I, so then after after this usa hockey board of directors you were with um like louisville like you had said east eastern diamond sports surgically clean air you've been hats in a lot of different well, yes and no. So I was with Louisville Hockey for 17 years. So at the time, like, and people in sports were, like, rotating all over the place. I'm like, not me, man. Yeah, I'm good, right? yeah. good to go. 
and then Louisville sold to Sherwood. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, tried that for a while, but they didn't have the same level of respect. So the other thing, like with Louisville, not only was I the female hockey product manager, but then I could also was very versed in goaltending. Um, so those were my two focuses. Um, and I was pro hockey, another first, I was pro hockey services. So um, our president, Bill Clark at the time is like, oh, you're so outgoing and stuff, you should take care of our pro players. And then he didn't tell me two years later, he's like, oh, if there's a female in the NHL dressing room, they're going to know that Louisville is there. <laughs> and so, but my first, um, my first player was Mark Messier with the Rangers. Nice. Oh, what Ted, my co-host is going to be super mad. He's not here for that. He worships Messier, big Rangers guy. Yeah. And so, you know, Mark was a great Louisville guy. He's just one of our marquee athletes ever. And, my boss, which was our president, Graham Watson, was actually the one in charge of Mark because he was so high profile. But, you know, Graham, as a president, had so much to do that even once I started working in the office, I was sort of doing all the things for Mark and his family behind the scenes. So I was very well versed. And so when I ended up having Mark as a one on one as a direct athlete, it went really well. Uh, it was, you know, I took great pride in being able to get him any of the tools of the game that he would possibly want. And he's pretty funny guy, actually, and he's hysterical and just, you know, just a, a wonderful person. But he was using something revolution at the time was a rubberized shaft and he would go through lots of wood blades and he was very picky. And so there was lots of little things you had to be very attentive to um, with him. He actually had the the old cow hide gloves, if you recall, they came all yeah, the way yeah. up to the floor, yeah. but they were actually true cowhide at the time. Most players had turned to Nash, which is more breathable and lighter weight, but he still wore the true cowhide. And, like 10 pounds you know, soaking wet by the end of the game. Yeah, yeah no doubt. Hand. Yeah. <laughs> but also a fun thing for me at the time is, you know, Mike Richter was the goalie. So um, Mike and I got to spend a lot of time talking. He was the U.S. goalie and I was U.S. goalie. So, yeah, just great. And then obviously Wayne Gretzky was there. Um, so uh, not a big see. deal. It's just Gretzky. <laughs> another super nice person oh yeah uh, you know yeah. and also very funny um so no that was a great experience and i think when you have the respect of having one of the greatest all-time players in the sport of ice hockey as somebody you take care of automatically it just was you know spoke boundaries not only to the rangers but to all the teams so yeah it's a it's, a, it's a, an endorsement yeah yeah it's like yeah. oh well she can take care of everything mark needs maybe she should do a good job with me too you know <laughs> enough for mess i think i could be okay yeah. yeah yeah no that's that's crazy i did that see that's the stuff like i you do research you know and and about your history and your and your work career but stuff like that doesn't you know that's the stuff we don't get until we talk you know it's yeah great. yeah yeah, it's a great pride in doing that. Um, had a lot of fun. And, you know, again, when I've been talking about, you know, especially with the Title IX um, anniversary of last year and things, people are like, oh, this, that, and the other thing. And, you know, it didn't really feel like I was, you know, breaking any glass ceilings or anything, but it was a pretty unique experience. Yeah. And um, a couple of people would ask, what was it like? And people either thought I was a physical therapist or a reporter. Oh, yeah. Yeah, wow. just really interesting. So it was cool. But now to see the level of acceptance of, you know, women working with NHL teams and women working in, in NHL hockey. So it's great to see that that growth and acceptance. Uh, so what are your – all right, I want to get to the bean pop. But what are your thoughts on the PWHL? Uh, I think it's great. Um, 
you know, again, I'm really into things being well organized and yeah. connected and having the purpose um, and then also doing the good of promoting the sport and the female athletes and really as we've been on, I'm on a couple of committees trying to, um, you know, unite to fill the garden for the women's bean pot on yep. January 23rd. Very excited um, for this. Yeah. Yeah. So we're really talking about, you know, it's not just women's hockey. It's not just hockey. It's not just women's, but it's a great event. Yeah. You know, for those, so, for anyone that's listening outside of the Boston area, for those that don't know, the bean pot pits, Boston College, Boston University, Northeastern, and Harvard. And it's a random drawing for the first game. And then the winners play each other and the losers play each other the following uh, week. And it's it's a fantastic tournament. And I say all the time when I have Husky players on that they should go watch the women's hockey at Matthews because pound for pound, it's the best hockey. It's the best hockey value per your dollar in Massachusetts. And it's historic Matthews. But this year... For the women's, they're finally allowing the finals games to be at the TD Garden, home of the Bruins, which, you know, we're talking about 15 years too late. But, hey, we're there, so that's all that matters. But these games, the the there's so much interconnection between the players and the schools. They're all recruited by the same coaches. They all know each other. They all played together growing up and against each other in the offseason. These are the best games that you can see in my opinion, in Massachusetts around this time. I'd put it up there with the, like a – it would be – imagine if like the Bruins, the Canadians, the Sabres, and like the old Hartford Whalers used to get together. You know what I mean? That's what it's like. It's fantastic. Yeah. So sorry. I derailed. Sorry. No, but... you're right on par. I've been working um, a lot with Mary from Woman X and then also a host of others and A.J. Molesco. Uh, Linda Lundergan from Northeastern, and we've been getting together on a regular basis talking about, you know, other ways for outreach, for getting the message out. And that has been our our line is that this is just an extraordinary event, mm. um, a sporting event. And yep. then, you know, yes, it is women's, but let's not just think, you know, we need to just have, you know, women's hockey teams go. It, it's beyond that now um, yep. of the talent level, but not only that, there's something that ignites from within for a, a playoff, a championship, such as the bean pot with such rich history, excitement. I mean, it just brings it to a whole nother level. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really, yeah, it's, it's awesome. Next. Hey, next meeting that you're at suggest this. Can we get T-shirts for kids at these events, please? <laughs> yeah. I don't know why. Every time I go to any of these events, I walk up to the concessions and I say, hey, do you have any kid sizes? And the the last bean pot at BC, they were like, no, but I got all the way up to 4X. I'm like, I want one for my daughter. This is yeah. the future of the game. So, yeah, if you could put a little note from Brownie from the morning scale. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, you're you're right and of course, I guess I've always sort of had this common thread of attraction towards sponsors, but my thought was like let's get with uh, Dunkin Donuts. I mean, yeah. um they're already the marquee sponsor for the bean pot. Right. Um they're obviously awesome, something we need in our lives every day. Um <laughs> but you know, and I'm sure they would love the opportunity. So again, yeah. it's just making the right connection with who at Duncan to to continue with that. Because that's what we were saying is like, you know, say you have a section of the garden, it's going to be general seating. Okay. 
and the ticket prices are really reasonable. Yeah. Um, so it's it's really like you said, one of the best values. There. And you get two games. It's not one game. You get two games both nights. So you yes. pay for two games. It's one ticket for two games. Right. So something that you know we're thinking with the four teams on it, with you know Duncan yeah. branded and TD Garden and all of that. So doing like a co-branded and you know. All, on the all kids' the ones with the mascots on there or something, you know, it'd be yeah. Oh, I think the goalie masks, the goalie masks. Oh, goalie masks would be good yeah. too. Yeah. Listen, as long as there's something that people can buy for their kids, because their kids are gonna grow up to be the next athletes in these games. Yeah. Right. As much as I tell Coach Carp that I still have NCAA eligibility, I'm not getting the call for a bean pot. So it could be the beard. If you think yeah, about maybe it. the beard's not helping. Yeah. yeah. Wait till it's not. Wait till my daughter dies it for Christmas. It'll be I'll look much younger. Um, but yeah, it's it's a great event. I I, I just I, I would I, I would think that I know they got a lot going on. They're trying to get off the ground, but going forward, I think the PWHL will be a great sponsor for the bean pot as well for the women's side. Right. So the Boston team is away, unfortunately. Yeah. So the travel time doesn't work for this year. Um, but that has been one of our, our big thoughts is sort of just the connection of everything and bringing it together. Um, so yes, that'll be a thought for the future. A lot of players Again, in the PWHL played in the bean pot also. Right. Yeah, yeah, we're trying to do a little flash series of um, like a player and their reflection and like, uh, again, put out for social media. What was that'd be great. it like? And, you know, I a think lot of the players like I talked with Kendall Coyne um, not long ago and she's just like, it's about time. Yeah. And I'm like, well, let's soften that because now we're doing it. And let's <laughs> I know. It. I do the same thing. I'm like, yeah. oh, but I'm glad we're here. Right. That's the yeah. got to keep the positive half full versus half empty. Uh, the first game is January 16th. Is that the first? Yes. The first the um, first matchup, I believe, January 16th. And for those, for those that know, uh, Katie Knoll, the, as I call her, the premier power forward in women's hockey today, Katie's birthday is January 16th, I found out. So, okay. I no pressure. I expect a three, two for five from Katie on that night. <laughs> <laughs> um, are you able to put up the link to the tickets and stuff from the TD Garden? And um... in theory, in theory, <laughs> I can. I will do my best. I okay. listen. The fact that I hit record and played the music is a big accomplishment without Ken here. <laughs> so, so yeah, I we will definitely put mention of it, and I can talk to our graphics guy when we do the graphics for this. Uh, episode. Um, I'll I'll see if he can get the information about the bean pot on there too. Okay, I don't great. see why yeah. that won't be. A, it's that getting the word out and the connection, and then the message I keep coming up with is not only is to, you know, inform and excite, but then also to have the action of the purchasing of the tickets because you know lives are busy and many different things pulling at us all is, is the ability to just uh, click and send right there too. I just wrote it down on my paper, so that's, you're like me. Yeah. Yes. If it's not written down, it's out of my head. T-shirts, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm that, one, that one's locked in because every time I go, I try to bring my daughter home something. It could be something as simple as like a sticker, and she's thrilled, yeah. you know, yeah. if she can't go to the game. She loves going to Matthews. Um, but I, I mean, love who, Matthews, too. I still get goosebumps going to Matthews. I mean, that's, that is why I went to Northeastern. Okay, that, yeah, cause I was going to ask how you picked. I, I We skipped over. We blew through Northeastern. Is Was Matthews a big, a big contributing oh, factor? 
Yes. I mean, we walked in, I was doing a tour. I was with my mother and we walked into Matthews and I just stopped and I just looked to her. I said, this is where I'm going to play. Isn't that awesome? I, we had uh, Irving, when Skylar Irving came on, she said it was similar. She was like, I'm going to play on that ice was like yeah. her like initial reaction. Well, that's perfect. Cause that leads me to the lightning round questions and one yes. of the lightning round questions. All right. So we'll jump into the lightning round. These are not always hockey related and bear with me. These are idiotic, but they're very popular. Uh, your favorite cartoon character? Uh, I'm going to go with Mickey Mouse. Fair. Uh, besides hockey, what was your favorite and least favorite jobs? And you don't have to go specific on your least favorite if you just want to give like a overview of something that you had to do. Yeah. Well, this is the beauty of the co-op because uh, learning what you don't like to do is equally as important. There as you learning. go. So my worst job ever in my life, nothing against the company, was with Putnam right. Investor Services doing data entry on oh. a team of people. And it was the only time in my life that I was like this at like 2.15, <laughs> praying for that day to be over. And what was your most favorite? Oh, well... Representing Team USA and wearing red, white, and blue. <laughs> yeah, I'll, listen, I'll keep lobbing them up for you. So that's easy. Yeah. Uh, what's your favorite vehicle you've ever owned? Ooh, that is really tough. I love cars. Um, okay. Mustang, you know, the old Mustangs, especially yep. the 66, um, was probably my favorite. Um, but then also like trucks and Jeeps. And then the new uh, electric vehicles. So a big host, but I'd have to summarize it with a Mustang. Okay. Uh, uh, first celebrity crush. Was Ken Dryden a celebrity? I'm going to yes. say yes. Yes, Ken Dryden was a celebrity. You uh, got a Captain Kirk from Star Wars. Oh, yeah. Oh, Star Trek. Star Trek. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. This is where we go. We start to go off the rails. Would you uh -oh. rather fight a horse-sized duck or a hundred duck-sized horses? Fight? Yeah, to, you have to fight no barehanded to the death. I usually tend to talk my way out of fights and not actually participate. All in right, them. so who would be more receptive then? <laughs> a horse-sized duck or a hundred duck-sized horses? Who who are you gonna? A horse-sized duck. All right. <laughs> if you could live anywhere in the world, where would you choose? Can it be two places? Sure. Alaska and Mexico. Nice. Very nice. After uh, Boston, of course, because I do. Yeah, know yeah. That. yeah. Uh, what is a skill you don't possess, but you would love to master? Would that be patience? <laughs> yeah, that might be the best answer ever. Usually someone's like guitar, you know what I mean? Or I want to learn how to juggle. But that's probably the best in in uh, introspective answer. That I have been working had. on patience for a very long time. <laughs> and just starting to get it now. So I'm proud of myself for that. That's that. Listen, I, I might have to use that answer. Um, so here you go. Favorite and least favorite rinks that you've played in. Favorite rink. Well, either we can take Matthews out of it because we know Matthews. So if you want to take that out of it, you're you feel free. So it would have to be Lake Placid. Okay. The eighty arena. And my least favorite arena. Oh, I can get the smell of just thinking of a couple of them. <laughs> Um, there was an old barn in Amesbury. It probably doesn't exist anymore. So I'm going to go with the old barn in Amesbury. By the where the ski uh, up by the ski place, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like I think it was, the ice was crooked. Like the goals didn't even line up with each other, and you couldn't see a thing in there. It was so dark. <laughs> I uh, I think I know the answer to this one. Would you rather speak every language of the world or have the ability to talk to animals? Oh, talk to animals. Yeah. yeah. 
a TV show that you're embarrassed to admit you watch or, or your most recent binge? Well, Gilmore Girls, but that's because my daughter thoroughly she enjoyed just it. Discover it. Well, a little bit ago, but I must say it was uh, a great resource for opening up many conversations. Oh, nice. Um, besides hockey, if you could pick a pro sport to be successful at, what would it be? Soccer. Okay. Uh, do you have a go-to karaoke song? No. Okay. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> All right. It, Anything it, by Jim Croce, though, at home. I'm, I'm oh, okay. Oh, James sad. Taylor type thing. Um, if you could pick one superpower, what would it be? Like superpower, like we think out of the movie superpower. Any way you want to interpret these questions you've given yeah. the fact that the thought that you put into these questions is very impressive. I will say, <laughs> well, think, thinking too much might be a problem. No, um, no. Yeah. The, uh, I'm going to go with extraordinary knowing. Okay. Uh, if you go to the movies, what's your concession stand order? What's your standard order? You don't go to the movies? Or you don't no, get I didn't go to the movies, but I wouldn't have pretty much anything from there. I this is the difference in talking to like successful athletes. Like uh Abby Marone came on the podcast and I bring this up all the time. I was like, What's your like big cheat meal? And she's like, sweet potatoes. And I was like, Good lord. Um, <laughs> if you well, had... can be chocolate, but then like, okay. it has to be like real chocolate, like good chocolate. Yeah. And not that has a lot of artificial ingredients yeah. or wax. <laughs> okay. That's why you get the the kid that you get chocolate when you're up in Canada. Yes. Um, if you had Doc Brown's DeLorean, where are you going? What where are you going first time? Your first trip in the DeLorean, where are you going time timeline wise? Um I don't know. In this moment, in this conversation, I'd say, you know, the 80 Olympics and be able okay. to watch it in yeah. person. And you don't have to, you have to sell us on that. That's our opening music is Al Michaels calling. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just two more. Who would play you in a movie about your life? Oh, geez. I'd like to think of somebody extraordinarily beautiful, but then I don't know if it'd be fitting. Um. Just because I just watched her in a, in a recent movie, I'm going to go with Jodie Foster. And I also followed her as a kid. Very good actress, too. She could do it. Uh, and then this last one, you don't have to call this person. Who's the most famous person in your phone? In my phone. That you're comfortable sharing. I mean, if you have like President Obama's in there or something, you know, you don't have to share. <laughs> Michelle. Yeah. Um... It's just Michelle. <laughs> I think it's probably Mark Messier. Um, I was thinking when you started talking about Messier and Gretzky, I'm yeah. like, she's going to say Mark Messier. And Ked's going to lose his mind when he hears this because he would have probably 50 questions just about Messier. Yeah. yeah. Well, I also got to work a lot with uh, Mark's sister, Mary Kay. Oh. Um, and she was awesome to work with. And again, a real powerhouse in, in all of sports. And uh, so working with her taught me a lot too. So again, I have... I'm going to go with Mary Kay and Mark Messier. There you go. Perfect. It's funny you say that about these guys. So when I first started doing this, I like reached out to uh, the Bruins alumni and the alumni office. And I was like, Hey, I'm one of the, I'm a, I'm a writer for this blog. And uh, they said, if I can get a former Bruin, I can interview him on the pod. This is before I was co-hosting or anything. 
and they were like, who do you like to talk to? And I'm like, my favorite player growing up was Bobby Carpenter. And he, they're like, she emailed me back in like 10 minutes. And she's like, oh, you're going to get a call. He literally called me and I was so nervous. And I talked to Ked, my co-host. He goes, the thing you got to remember is they're just like you, but they're just better at hockey. And that was like his advice. And I was like shaking talking to Bobby Carpenter. I mean, yeah, everybody loves Ray Ray Bork and Cam Neely, but Carpenter was my guy, right? Yeah. I just loved the way he played. And uh, especially growing up here and how he went from high school, the can't miss kid and all that stuff. And, and it's funny, like you meet these, like we meet these people in our, in our, this, if you want to call this a career, this nonsense that I do for the morning skate, but like, I met Wayne Gretzky's dad years ago before he passed away. The nicest guy on the planet. I didn't know who he was until afterwards. And it's it's amazing the people that you meet and how much time they give you and how much and you as well. What you've accomplished, it's like this is a big deal for us, you know, to have yeah. you come on. And it's I, I can't thank you enough. It's just, you know, it was great. Well, thank you. Know? you. It's it's actually fun as a trip through memory lane as well. You know, as you're speaking at different uh, neurons fire and different memories come up that you don't usually ponder on a natural Monday yeah. afternoon. So it's actually really fun. And thank you. You're a wonderful host. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. Now, listen, for the Huskies will be back uh, January. I should have had this in front of me. I think it's January 3rd, their first game back after the break. Uh, the Bean Pot is the first game is the 16th and the 23rd. The PWHL kicks off their inaugural game, I believe, is January 1st up in um, – I think they're playing in uh, – it's New York versus Montreal, I believe, is the first game. And there's a first home game on the third. Is that is that for the for the Boston team? Yeah, we're going on the twentieth. Nice. Yeah. Songa Serena, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Which is actually the people in Northeast are not happy about this, but for us that live out this way, this is a lot easier. Songa's thing going. Into the <laughs> yeah. I was yeah. very happy to hear the Songa Serena. But yeah, so thank you, uh, Kelly Dyer Hayes. Uh, thank you to everyone for tuning in. Uh, remember, like I say all the time, the best entertainment value pound for pound in the city of Boston for hockey is at math historic Matthews arena for the women's game, but Hey, the men's game's not bad either. So, you know, as a backup <laughs> for the women's, but yeah, Kelly, thank you so much for doing this. Yeah. My pleasure. It's been a lot of fun. Oh, great. All right. Well, thank you everybody. And, uh, you'll hear us, me and Ked back to our usual nonsense in the not too distant future. All right. All right be well. Bye-bye. <laughs>